Hello and welcome to the Doc Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mike DeLuke, and it's my mission to help you lead a happier, healthier, and more prosperous life, both personally and professionally. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Doc Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mike DeLuke, and I have a very special guest with me on today's episode, the current president of the American Association of Orthodontics, Dr. Myron Guyman. Dr. Guyman has practiced orthodontics in the Northern Utah area since 1990. He's a diplomat of the American Board of Orthodontics. He received his undergraduate degree from Brigham Young University and attended dental school at Baylor College of Dentistry. He graduated from orthodontic residency at Baylor and received his master's degrees from Baylor University in 1990. Dr. Guyman has been active in organized dentistry his whole career, serving on the boards and as president of the Utah Association of Orthodontists and the Rocky Mountain Society of Orthodontists. He served as the chairman of the AAO Council on Communication, where he has been active in the National Consumer Awareness Campaign and has appeared on several AAO public service announcements, podcasts, webinars, and live television on behalf of the association. Dr. Guyman has been a guest lecturer at Baylor College of Dentistry, Utah State University, MCV, Iowa, and UNLV Orthodontic Departments, Briggerland Applied Technology College, AAO Annual Sessions, and the Utah Dental Assistant Association. Dr. Guyman enjoys skeet shooting, fly fishing, horses, and the outdoors. He lives in River Heights, Utah with his lovely wife, Melinda, a trio of grandchildren, and a dog named Juicy. Today, we're going to talk about the services the AAO offers, what the AAO can do for you, and what it does overall for our profession. We'll kind of scratch the surface with this episode and then hope to dive deeper into the more specifics of the role the AAO plays in our profession in future episodes. So with that, I would like to welcome Dr. Myron Guyman, AAO president to the show. Welcome, Myron. Happy to be here. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Well, thanks so much for being willing to do this. I know you're a very busy man. You have a lot going on as we were planning this and and uh, trying to work between some of the amazing travel you have to do, and you have a lot of responsibilities. So thanks so much for for fitting us in. You know, it. it I tell everybody it's a pleasure to represent our members, to represent our profession. Um, it, it it's a busy time right now, uh, but like I say, happy to squeeze it in. And and anytime I can talk about the AAO, you just you tell me you stop me when you've heard enough. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> we'll do perfect. I appreciate it. Uh, so before we get into the sort of meat of the content of the episode, tell me a little bit more about you, your journey as an orthodontist, your family. You know, I I uh, got interested in dentistry really young uh, in the in middle school. My dad was a high powered. Uh, business administrator for Chevron. Uh, One thing I noticed that the orthodontist up the street, besides that he drove back and forth in a Jaguar XKE, which was really (laughs) impressive to a 12 year old. But I noticed that he was, he was there when his kids were playing tennis or uh, baseball games and things like that. And Mm -hmm. I thought, you know, that, that looks like a pretty good way of life. And Mm -hmm. uh, through some um, courses in high school, we were able to, to shadow him and uh, like I say, I, I appreciate him so much uh, <clears throat> how he allowed me in his practice and talked about what orthodontists do. Uh, I love dentistry. Um, I, I did not go into dentistry um, thinking that if I didn't become an orthodontist, I would not be happy. Mm-hmm. I could have been a very happy uh, general dentist. Uh, but the, when the opportunity came uh, to pursue orthodontics, it was it was one of those things that I just I just couldn't pass on. I um, I say I was I. Went to Baylor Dental College. That's Texas A&M now. That's sometimes a hard thing for a, a Baylor boy to say. Um, <laughs> University of Alabama at Auburn. You know, I mean, it's it's kind of a hard thing to say, but um, had a wonderful experience in, in dental school. Uh, when I graduated, I came to Northern Utah, uh, bought a little practice. And like I say, we live in the Valley that time forgot it. It's been a great career. I transitioned out of full-time practice when I uh, got on the board. And um, like I say, I've, I've, it's, it's just been a great career. It's uh, been one of those things I tell the residents that uh, dream your dream and then double it. And that's, that's what a career in orthodontics is like. That's, that's awesome. And that's, um, I'm one of the, I'm the, one of the middle schoolers too, that, that was back then new by like eighth grade. I'm like, I want to be an orthodontist. Um, So it's funny. You talk to people, some like the last decision they made, like I'm going to go into it. And then others, it seems, seems like it's these polar extremes. It's either people knew it from the time they were 12 years old, or they kind of went the dental route 
just a circuitous path that ended up to orthodontics. Well, I, there was so much about dentistry I didn't know until I went to dental school. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, every every dentist, there, I mean, there's every all the different specialties. Every everybody's attracted to the area that they you know they eventually practice in for some reason. And like I say, I liked orthodontics. Our practices don't get old. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that we tend True. to treat the same you know adolescents, uh, mm-hmm. more and more adults, uh, but but we don't, we don't have an aging patient base. Um, they didn't tell me that I, whenever we finished a patient, I had to have a new one. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't find that out until it was too late. Uh-huh. And, and, uh, and that, that might be the downside of, uh, of especially practices mm-hmm. that you're never finished marketing. You're never finished attracting true. new patients. Very true. Um, no, it is, it's a great profession. It really, it, uh, the connection we have with, with our patients and, um, the ability to really change lives. And a lot of what I'm trying to do with the doc podcast and the platform I'm building is to showcase a lot of what we can do and what the profession yeah. can do. And behind that is the AAO. Um, I think you know, a lot of people, one of the reasons I really wanted to have you on is, um, I've been involved in organized dentistry, back to ASDA, where I was a national delegate with ASDA and, and and just always understood the importance of having that legislative component, that governing component of our organization as a focus for us to rally around and help disseminate accurate information within our profession to our colleagues and to the public. Uh, I feel that the AAO has grown a ton lately in terms of what it's doing in its outreach. Uh, I'm always impressed by things I don't even know they're doing. And I guess that kind of gets to why I want to talk more about this, because sometimes there's so much being done and there's so much information that it's almost hard for the average wet finger orthodontist in their practice to kind of digest all that's happening behind the scenes to help them and help our profession. And it saddens me when I hear people talk about on online groups, or if I'm at a meeting or talking to colleagues, like, what does AO even do? Why, why do we even need the AO? And you know, that, that I understand if they don't know anything about what the AO does, I understand the place that comes from, but at the same time, I think we need to make sure we can, get the message out there to them to say, Hey, look, no, this is real. And it's more than just like, so that you can have the insurance or because you hear that a lot too. It's like, Oh, I just do it so I can get the insurance. Well, that's a bad thing, but there's a lot more than that. So that's why I'm excited about today. I want to dive into that and, and really talk more about that. It's one of those things you can lead them to a website, but you can't make them click. Yep. Um, I think the saddest thing we hear is as leaders is that I didn't know the AI was doing that. Yeah. And it's it's not because we didn't try to tell you. Um, a, a lot of times, things only come home when you when when they're affecting you. Mm-hmm. I know the situation that we had in Utah years ago um, with the consumer, uh, you know, awareness effort. We had our own uh, before uh, you know the national consumer awareness program. But but there was we had a, we had a common foe. We had uh, you know a, a group of uh, practices in Utah that that weren't what we would have liked to be. And so we had, we had the opportunity to band together. And so when it, when it hits you home, yeah. you know, then you're looking for it. And yep. and maybe that's the state of our profession is so we have some that are comfortable. Um, and so they don't understand what the legislative and the advocacy efforts that we do as an association. I always say that if we don't do it for ourselves, who, who would, right. who's going to advocate mm-hmm. for no. the profession, who's yeah. going to advocate for the, you know, the health and safety of the public if, if we don't do it. That's very well said. And I, I completely agree. I think a lot of this is you don't know you need it until you know you need it. And and, ho- and, and hopefully it's not too late. And hopefully it's not too late. Right. right. For sure. Uh, you brought up the legislative side. I want to start there because I think that is such an important part of what the AAO does. Talk to me a little bit about how the AAO is our voice in the profession, how they are the ones that can kind of uh, bring our message to the masses uh, legislatively and maybe some of the recent accomplishments just as examples for the the listeners and viewers as to what that looks like when it's put into action. You know, our, our legislative focus is uh, on public health and safety. Uh, that That's, that's, that's one. We also deal with small business issues because we are small businessmen. Uh, the staff shortage issue that we have is, mm-hmm. is one of our legislative uh prongs right now uh and and then things like student loans um the health savings account the raise act let let me just go go through uh some of our big accomplishments this year yes Uh, probably one of the biggest ones was in nevada 
It was AB 147, uh, which was legislation passed and signed by the government that required an in-person exam prior to any uh, orthodontic, any treatment. I, I mean, to think that it would take an, an act of a legislator to think that seeing the patient before you started treatment <laughs> was the thing to do. Uh -huh. um, why is that important? It's important for a couple of reasons. One, it's that guarantees the health and safety of the patients in Nevada, but it's also a precedent. And that's one thing how our legislative process works is once one will, then mm -hmm. many will. And it's getting that it's getting over that first hump, mm -hmm. getting that first precedent. And so that's some very sane, um, reasonable, uh, you know, teledentistry, uh, remote monitoring type of things. Um, it, and, and, and again, it, it all goes back to health and safety. The staff uh, shortage issues, sometimes that comes down to uh, onerous uh, regulations on who you can hire and what they can do. Mm -hmm. Some states have an, a uh, certification program, but they only give the test once or twice a year, mm -hmm. which prevents you from, from hiring staff. Uh, we are active in... Um, One second on that. In, How much can the AAO do on that? So, for example, in New York, where I practice... Oh boy, that was tough. I mean, oh, it, it is. is just, and I fought, I was on the New York State Society of Orthodontist Board. That's where I got to know the incoming president, Dr. Callahan, well, because he would come and talk to our board uh, and from the a, a representative from NISO at that point where he was. And I mean, we would, I, for, I can't tell you how many years I spent and went to the state board at the time my father was on the state board of dentistry and was trying to just find out what avenue could be what path could be taken what avenues existed to try to get people to realize that the way it's set up and I won't bore all the listeners with with what New York does specifically I'll just say it's very restrictive and they have to go through a very extensive educational and testing process right. uh, to get certification sadly you just don't get many people going into the profession of dental assisting today who want to go to that much school and take that many rigorous exams and it just made staffing clinical staffing so challenging and it's a felony it's like a classy felony if you employ knowingly employ somebody in your practice who is performing duties beyond their scope and so it's serious people are breaking the rule all the time i can honestly say with a straight face i never did i mean there were times i was running around my before i had scanners i was running around my office just to take an impression when i had girls who they could take the impression they had taken impressions but they dropped out of school because they had a child or something happened and they couldn't stay in school and i had to say you can't take impressions anymore i mean it's absolutely yet you can do mail-in impressions you know you can take these these over-the-counter companies or over-the-counter retainers or whatever and mail your take your own impression and mail it in but in new york state an assistant can't do that under my direct supervision. So what is the purview of well, the, the AAO to get The only thing you can that? say for certain is if we don't do anything, nothing will get done. Mm -hmm. And so uh, a lot of these legislative um, efforts, it takes a consistent effort over time. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, in, in, in my area in, in Utah, we had to have a, a sympathetic state legislator. Okay. And once he, once he would start to carry the torch, then, then that opened the doors um, sometimes they just don't understand what the barriers are. They think it's well-meaning, uh, but then when they realize that now we have an access to care issue, <laughs> yeah. that um, maybe we need to look at at how we maintain the health and safety, but make people so that they are hireable and, and employable. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we have that issue in New York, Maryland, Michigan. Uh, we actually uh, are working on an effort in Ontario um, with for our, our some of our Canadian members um, that all have that same thing. And again, we need a precedent. We need someone to look at that and say, you know, uh, that given the scope of practice, given the safety that the dental board can can uh, oversee in a state that that maybe we've gone too far and it's affecting who gets treated, how, when, why, how much, and all those kind of things. And and like I say, with any legislative effort, the only thing that you can say for certain is if you don't do anything, nothing will get done. Yes. And uh, and that's why it's so important that we have boots on the ground. We can talk about a few other of our initiatives. That's are actually with the boots on the ground side. So if someone is in, let's say, New York, since I kn know that if situation you know, so if well, you know a legislator, they... if you know a legislator, yeah, um, that that can be sympathetic to to what you're saying, mm -hmm. uh, or even just have access to them, they may not know what they don't know. Sure, uh, I can't imagine what what 
you know, they deal with. I know what what we deal with at the AO, and that would be such a small scope compared to what a, a state legislator in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the things we do also with with the AO advocacy efforts is we deal with regulatory bodies um, to get an you know to get a law passed. It, it's an act of Congress, yeah. but a regulatory body can change the environment that you practice in okay. with the stroke of a pen. A dental board getting into a dental practice act in your state, yep. um, they can change the environment that you're in, you know, and, and sometimes it's well-meaning and the unintended consequences are that it makes makes it hard to, to find staff. I think that's often the case. I think it probably is unintended yeah. consequences of a well-meaning law initially. So could someone in New York say, reach out to the AAO for or assistance in, I mean, I understand they oh, have- Oh, sure. And, the, and they have, work uh, the, the state, AAO has right? a component legal support fund. Um, every year we fund that back up to a million dollars. Okay. Uh, components, uh, which are state units, state states associations sure. can mm-hmm. apply for a grant when they see things coming up in their in their areas. Mm-hmm. We put money aside for that. Sometimes it's to hire a lobbyist. Sometimes okay. that's what it takes is, is like say that consistent effort over time. How do we get access to these legislators? How do we get our issues in front of them? Mm-hmm. How do we explain to them what, what it is that what we really want? And, and, um, and and I think I think like I say I don't have the exact numbers here, but I think we've probably used the component legal support fund probably nearly forty times wow. since okay. its inception. Um, I and believe would someone been, go directly to if someone was interested, would they reach out just to the general AAO? The legal number? and advocacy department. Legal um, and advocacy. Okay. Trey Lawrence, who's our our um, general counsel at the AAO. Uh, yep. Nathan Mick uh, is also uh, in our legal advocacy. Gianna. A lot of people are very familiar with Jana as uh, she attends the constituent meetings. All of them do. Um, but just call the AAO and, and ask about the Component Legal Support Fund, and they put you through to, to the, like, say, the legal and advocacy department, and they That's can great. help. We also have a full-time employee at the uh, AAO uh, that monitors state dental board agendas. Okay. The Like, say, the boots on the ground is sometimes what's very, very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, you want somebody there when they discuss it. And that that goes a long, long ways. Um, you know, the, the legislators, the people that are are looking for information, the state dental boards, you know, they can ask the question right there and get the answer right then. And that's and, great. And yeah, and that that's been something that's been very, very effective. We've we've actually made a conscious effort to push our legislative, our advocacy efforts down into the state board level because that's where the rubber meets the yes. the road. And, and yes. you can imagine how frustrating that is with fifty states. You know. Eight provinces, you know, Puerto Rico, and I mean, there's just there's not a there's not a federal dental practice act, right. and so we deal with it at, at different levels in different places. Um, I practiced in three different states: uh, Utah, Idaho, and Wyoming, and the dental practice act was different in each state. Yeah, um, what assistance could do in Idaho was different than sure. Utah, which was different than Wyoming, and and so you can see how confusing that could be. Um, yeah. And, and to that point, when I came to Florida and I'm on faculty now at a residency here, I had to take the rules and laws test and it was totally, yeah. totally different from New York. Yeah. I mean, it was actually hard to even learn because you're reading through it and you're thinking your instincts for 20 years had been knowing what, what those rules were. So to your point, I mean, they were widely different. It wasn't even similar in a lot of ways. So um, yeah, that I could see the challenge of that, but it's great to know that that type of resource is there because I still have people sometimes reach out to me on the New York state board who succeeded me there and still looking for help and answers to the question of what can we do about this? So that those are great tips for any state. If you're working on something, you know, boots on the ground, local legislators. Let me say a a few other things too. Um, Whenever something comes up, your legislator wants to hear from you. Mm -hmm. He wants to know, they want to know. Yep. So the AAO uses a, a program. It's called phone to action. And, and you would sign up for this as an AAO member. Okay. And when something comes up in your state, you get a text message that leads you to a link. You touch that link, and now your legislator gets a letter from you mm-hmm. saying, hey, so, you know, like, like AB 147, mm-hmm. you know, this ensures health and safety. And then they get it. And, and you know, the, in, leg- in, in advocacy, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Yeah. True. We did this over 2,000 times last year. And and that's where you start seeing the awareness. Um, yep. We have an advocacy day at the end of February where um, we bring uh, members to Washington, D.C. Um, we have a great representation from our, our uh, 
residents or our students, which is great because they talk about um, student loan relief, mm-hmm. uh, how to finance, um, consolidate things like that. And um, that that resonates really well with the uh, staffers, with the congressmen. Very rarely do we actually get to meet with the congressmen, but now you've got, um, I don't know if you've ever been on the Hill, but many of their staff are college interns and they, mm-hmm. they're about the same age as our residents. And so the, the student loan issues resonate really well with them. Those sure. are the kind of things that, that av- advocacy does, that we do in advocacy at the AAO. Um, you know, storm the Hill, um, let them know what we think. Let me know, you know how, how to do that. And and uh, and so we've had some success in that in in some of these areas. And like you said, if if the AO is not doing that, no one is for with it honest. No so it's no. yeah. You think the insurance companies will do it for us, or the, <laughs> no. the consumer companies? Um, no. Or the ADA, know, even. I mean, they have their own battles. They're not. They can't look out for every single specialty in that capacity. Yeah, they, uh, we do. We do appreciate the ADA's advocacy efforts because many times we align with the small sure. businesses, um, the student loans, you know, those kind of things. That we all need colleagues, we all need allies, and yep. uh, and one of the things that we're finding is that some of these groups will never agree on everything, but the vast majority of issues are common to us all, yep. and to work together, it has it is worth is what it's going to take. Um, working with the you know the pediatric dentist, the AGD, the ADA, the mm-hmm. oral surgeons. Um, we had a dental specialty group meeting at the ADA meeting, and and you know have a room full of people that are are representing you know public health service and yeah. Indian health service. And and when we say what's your big issues, pretty much it's it's the same for all of us. And That's funny. And so that unity, that working together. Again, why do we need an AO? Because we need a, a unified voice. Where else can we come together? Um, so, like I said, stop me when you've heard enough because I can go. <laughs> <laughs> well, on, on that note, what would you say to people? Because you hear it all the time. Um, and, and look, people say this about orthodontic care, right? It's expensive. What what am I getting for it? That's just kind of human nature. So people who say dues are expensive, um, what what are you doing with my dues dollars? What would you? Where does the money go? The top, yeah, what are some of the top even few things you know, to put? You us know, the mission of the AO is to is to promote the art and science of orthodontics by education, advocacy, and research. Um, your dues dollars are are very almost sacred to us as a board. Um, this is money that our, our our members contribute for the mission of the AO. There's you know there's fixed costs in running an association. We sure. have. A physical facility. We have fifty or so employees. Um, our, our CEO uh, has done a great job of controlling, you know, the overheads, just like your, just like your practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do we, how do we be effective, efficient with it? But education, advocacy, and research is where the bulk of the money goes. Um, and we can talk about those one at a time, or, or how we've, we've kind of touched on the advocacy part. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, you know, one part of the advocacy. Side. Uh, that we haven't touched on is our AAO uh, PAC, our political action committee. Um, we do have a PAC. Um, why is that important? It's because the money that we raise in the PAC, we use to support congressmen, senators that are sympathetic um, to our legislative efforts, uh, who carry the same uh, values that we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a 93% uh, election rate with the senators, and I think a 97% with the congressman somewhere in in those lines. And, and so, you know, the currency of advocacy is unfortunately sometimes it's currency. Our PAC raised more money last year than than ever before, um, wow. which That's which great. is great. Um, maybe we're seeing some of that, you know, that success as we roll on. Um, again, getting the right people in the right place is a big part of our advocacy effort. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we also talk about advocacy as, um, as our consumer awareness program. Um, yeah, we're, if you want to take that opportunity to talk a little bit about that, that would yeah, be great. We're, we're a professional advocacy group. Uh, I think one of the big misconceptions about the AAO is that somehow we're a regulatory body, and, and we are not. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't we don't accredit schools. We don't uh, give them permission to start. We can't really do anything about them other than to make sure that, that the quality of education there is on par with what it should be. Yeah. Um, our consumer awareness program is the message has always been that orthodontics should be done by an orthodontist. Mm -hmm. And the way we, we talk about that is that the 
consumer doesn't always necessarily know what our educational uh, background is. Yeah. They don't know that we have two to three years of university-based training beyond dental school to learn to do what we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, our market research early on in our in our CAP um, pointed out that moms that knew that made the right decision on where they would take their, their kids to be treated. It's frustrating. We never we never get ahead by saying what, what somebody else isn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, the message right. should always be positive. That this is what we do. This is all we do. This is why we do it better. Trust your smile to an orthodontist, uh, an orthodontic specialist. Um, the public's not always aware uh, that any dentist can do orthodontic, but only orthodontic specialists have that that uh, academic credential that they don't, the extra training. Um, it was interesting that- in, a, in a discussion with Jeff Bien. Um, I'm sure you know Jeff. Yeah. Yep. Um, he, he made the comment one time that if anybody got orthodontics, it was generally because a woman between the ages of 25 and 40 made it happen. But that, that's our target audience. Yep. Uh, there's a frustration many times with our members that they don't see the ads, they don't see the placements, they don't. Well, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. What would you say to that? Are you, are you in our target audience? Okay. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, I remember somebody said, how much should we spend on the cap? And, and, uh, oh gosh, what's his name? Newt Gingrich said, how much have you got? And so, and so because we do have somewhat limited resources, we have to target our, our placements into places that, 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 that action person is there. Um, you can always find the AAO ads on YouTube, um, you know, our Facebook page. And, and what I would say to you then is go on there and like it. Mm follow it. So the people that follow you are now seeing that, um, you know, the frustration is there. Well, they're in my office and they've never, they've never seen anything with the AAO, but wait right. a minute, they're in your office. They learned about a, they learned about orthodontics somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, my guess is they probably learned it from the AAO placements at some point somewhere. And it might just not resonate them that it came from the American association of orthodontics. Is that hard um, to quantify? Is that, is that part of the challenge? It's kind of hard to know. With that, well, I don't know how you'd whether, ever track that. Yeah, that's I don't what know I'm how wondering. Track you know, as orthodontists, we love numbers and metrics, and I think it's a hard thing to. And I put myself. I used to, John Callahan and I would go back and forth on this, and, and uh-huh. I love John, and and he we'd have some really heated discussions, and 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 in a in a very positive way, the way it should happen in our profession, right? Respectful and really, I have tremendous respect and regard for him, and um, and what he's done for the profession, and so uh, we would just kind of talk about it, and I think in talking with him one of the things we really agreed on is <clears throat> there's no perfect solution to this number 1 number 2 it's really hard to measure exactly what the actual outreach of that and effect of that Im- impact of those ads is and number 3 there's certain things that can and can't be said and i think a lot of orthodontists want to see things be more aggressively stated so maybe take a moment to talk about that there are some lines on the field that you have to stay within to do that's right um so let me give you some numbers since we like numbers Mm -hmm. um last fiscal year our cap ads drove 6.1 million people to the consumer website Mm -hmm. and over 4 million to the orthodontic locator on the website and so these are people that are actively looking for information about orthodontics and looking for an orthodontics at the time. So I'll go back to that. I said I was involved with the cap from the get-go in, in 2004. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've been doing this a long time. And these questions always come up. Sure. And I guess, you know, the market research that we've done has shown that people are more aware. And one of the one of the things people don't realize about our market is that they cycle in and out. Our target audience doesn't need an orthodontist all the time, mm-hmm. like, like you need a Diet Coke. You know, you need one of those one a day, right? And and they'll need an orthodontist for a period of time, and then then they yeah. cycle out of the market, mm-hmm. and they might have another another kid that you know is coming up. You've seen that in your practice where, sure. where you treat the whole family, but you only see them every two years because of the ages of the kids. Yep. And so that's that consistent effort over time. Um, what what would happen if we hadn't? That's the data that we don't have. Mm-hmm. Um, where would you like the public to find out about or information about orthodontics? Mm-hmm. When they Google orthodontics, look at your search engine optimization. The you know the AAO comes up there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's great consumer education, and again, we're not we're not competing with the guy down the street. We can give them unbiased 
treatment. We're not, we're not trying to sell a practice or, or, uh, you know, come to my place instead kind of a thing. And, mm-hmm. and so they can get that unbiased information. So part um, of the funds do go to like SEO and and those type of, of oh, you bet. Okay. You bet. And 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 you're well aware that the the, the internet at 9 a.m. is not the same internet at 9 p.m. Correct. Right. Um, and what we found was those times when our target audience um, were actually on on the internet, and it it was kind of surprising. Yeah. Um, it was after they got the kids to school, 10 a.m. and 10 p.m. Yeah. after the kids went to bed. I remember John presenting that at to our NISO board back in what was that like maybe 2016, 25, I don't know exactly the year, but I remember when that data first came out. But those are those are the kind yeah. of things that and it was you cool know, that, to see. Yeah. You know, our marketing department is, you know, they're professionals at this. Um, they use the consultants um to do the best job that we can with the resources that we have. Mm-hmm. Um again, we and and I when I was talking with the marketing department. Um, at one point, when you logged on to the AAO website, it would come up with a pop-up that said how many times your contact information had been given out. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the website's gone through several iterations over the years. The things that we're doing now were unbelievable when, when we started this. And, mm-hmm. and I didn't see where that was anymore. We talked about it when we were getting ready for this. That That'd be kind of cool to see. Yeah, that back, might, speak yeah. To, might speak to the yeah. providers. And, and, and again, these are people that are actively seeking an orthodontist and and you've been identified as a specialist you've been identified as being you know trained to do this and now they've got your office information that's that's pretty important but i would go back to the four million people that are looking for you know for an orthodontist at the orthodontic locator so and what about to the people who maybe just make a statement or where does the aao stand or what can the aao and can't the aao say in these ads because again i think people in their practice are thinking you know they it should be more i know because i've heard people you say know, it be more aggressive but there are limits on that so maybe touch yeah, on that a little bit too yeah and you're not gonna um, make everybody happy of course I, we all know that i mean not, no no one makes everyone uh, happy in their own practice like i mean it, you're always gonna have outliers but just again some I, I the would, trends go go to your wife and tell her she made a mistake <laughs> <laughs> and tell me how that right right, how, right now. <laughs> tell, tell me how that goes. You know, um, go go tell them that you made a wrong decision. You know, and tell me how that goes. Yeah. Like I've always felt that it was much better to tell them what we are, what we do, how we do it. Um, yeah. You got to realize too that there are some issues with state dental boards. Um, there are some language and some yep. and as you as you saw as you did your jurisprudence that you can't say I'm better, I'm faster. I'm less, no, I'm painless and things like that. As we cross so many borders and so many boundaries, um, it's, it's better to be safe and be positive. And there shouldn't be anything negative about orthodontics. We're giving you a beautiful smile for the rest of your life. It's part of your whole health and, and, and we're going to have a fun time doing it. Um, and you should go to the guy who does it the best. I keep saying guy, and I, I I should, you, you should go to them that do it the best. Mm -hmm. Um, and 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 then that's kind of what our what our message has been. We can do it. We can do it fun. We can do it. Have uh, you've seen the ads? The you know making the right choice and picking the right person. You know those kind of things. And yeah. And, um, and again, remembering that the ads aren't aren't for our members. They're for our, our target audience. And and uh, and it needs to resonate well with them to come out and and be spiteful or be negative probably wouldn't sit well with a mother who has been going to the same family dentist for 30 years and they're a trusted member Good of point. the family. Get, Good point. They get a Christmas card from them and, and, uh, and, and you think, well, it, it, it like say sometimes the, the juice isn't worth the squeeze. Right. And so tell them what we are, why we do it, why we, why we're your best choice. And uh, I think we go a lot farther with that than we do anywhere else. I think with anything, a lot, as I said, number one, never going to please everybody. Number two, I think a lot of it just comes down to you don't always know the decisions that have to be made and why they're being made. Um, and I think it's a two-way street. Like we said, it's a role. The AAO has to get that message in front of its members. Obviously, they can't you know, walk it to every office, but the members have a responsibility to seek this information as well. So it, it really is a, a two-way street. I think it's very easy to point fingers and blame and say it's not enough, but at the same time, um, you know, I think we need to understand where it's coming from. And like you said, someone might want to be really aggressive, but I think that's a great example. So you turn off a mom that's like, well, why are they telling me my dentist isn't the right person for this? 
he's been he's great right i mean he, they, don't, they don't see it in the same way we do as, as so focusing on the positive the training we've had our background what we can offer that others can't i i completely understand that that approach and and that you still need your dentist while you're in orthodontic treatment mm -hmm. yeah that that the care that the dentist provides doesn't stop just because you have braces on your teeth yep um, and and I guess we can we can all make the argument for some people they need that they need them even more, um, right? You know, with it, you know, hygiene issues and all the sure. stuff that day to day. So, and there are colleagues there. They are our colleagues, right? And, yeah. And uh, and some of them send those patients to you, and you would like that to continue. And so, <laughs> right. to portray them in a negative light isn't always the the way to to move us down the road. Yeah, breeding hostility between specialties or between specialists and generalists really to me is futile. And it just I've never understood that approach, why we would take that approach, not even outside the ad campaign. I think we have to be collegiate with one another. We can respectfully disagree and maybe feel we're an expert in one area, but at the same time, um, going at each other in an aggressive way just makes you know, us all I, makes us all look bad. And maybe an example of an and from another field, um in the car this morning, um my buddy's an optometrist. And he got a call from the ophthalmologist and they were talking about the special needs of a certain patient. Interesting. Um, they're a musician. And so with the, you know, with the cataracts and the lenses that they would be replacing, the surgeon is, is talking to the optometrist, you know, we need to measure this so she can see her sheet music and this and that. And it's like, what, a, how, how great is great. that for the sure. patient? Yeah, that her, that her two caregivers are are communicating, right? And they and they are sensitive to her. I mean, I, I mean, I would have never thought that you'd treat someone who needs to read sheet music on a, you know, on a stand differently than. But but that's what they were talking about. And and when we get to that level of synergism, it's just better for the patient, and it's just better for us, and better for them. Yeah, I, I completely completely agree. Uh, what would you say to the residents out there uh, who may or may not know uh, in teaching residents? I can say some of them don't know why to join the AAO. Some of them don't know um, what it's really for. They, they understand its advocacy. They understand that it helps with some things like the student loan uh, debt situation, but they really don't understand what it does. So what would kind of be your elevator pitch to them to say, hey, look, this is why from the beginning, when you get out, you really need to be part of this organization. Well, the one thing I would say is it's going to be their AAO. It's going to be their profession. Um, you know, that I got I got a lot more in the rearview mirror than I than I see out there <laughs> at this stage of life. And um and, and so they need to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, as as far as what we're doing for the reach out, you know, outreach, we do have the resident vitals course, um, where we 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 have uh representatives from the AAO attend you know, a, a lunch and learn or something like that with the residents okay. to talk about uh, member benefits. There is on the AO member website and, and your residents are student members of the AO mm -hmm. uh, that there's no dues for that. And, um, and, and we want to be sure they understand what we're doing for them. Um, you know, like some of the perks of that um, we have uh, an area at the annual session where the students have have a, a a lounge where they can meet with each other and and interact and network. I I know how it was for you, but um, some of those people you interviewed with three or four five times, and and they went yeah. to a different school yeah. than you did, and, and it's just a good time to get caught up. Yep. Um, the uh, that there are resources that will help fund their research while they're a resident. Okay. Um, and again, that's something that that goes back to our. You know, to our mission statement that we that we research is important. We can talk about that here in a minute. Mm -hmm. um, the AO Foundation, um, which is our charitable arm, actually has a scholarship for them to attend the annual session. Um, they need to go fill out the form, and I believe it's four hundred dollars to help offset the cost so that they can attend the annual session and see what the AO does. Um, you know, we a lot of our advocacy efforts with the uh, the the student loan relief. Um, are aimed right at right at our our student members. Mm -hmm. um, they have the resident. There's a legal course that our general counsel will come uh, to their oh, their wow. schools and talk about things like contracts and malpractice insurance and antitrust issues and things like that to give them a, an awareness Great. of that. Um, everybody knows about GORP. I hope. 
Yes, yes. And, and GORP is not is not an AAO program necessarily, uh, but the AAO does does support that. Um, okay. I, I finally got to go to GORP um, last year, and and it was incredible. Yeah, uh, the residents, like you say, I, they're they're just tremendous young people, and and there's the the energy. It was just so exciting to be there and to be able to visit with them, you know, a little bit and answer their questions. And we talk about like the, the staff issues, that's something that's going to, yep. going to be a benefit for them. Uh, are they aware about our tech select, which is comes from our council on tech, our committee on technology, where they, mm-hmm. uh, they basically vet technological things, um, 3d printing. Um, I, I can't remember what they're doing right now. Like I say, it's so hard to keep up. Mm. Um, but that's that's something that as a member benefit, they can go to the tech select. Uh, Neil Kravitz has had a lot to do with that. Um, uh, uh, my friend Doug DePew was was on that mm-hmm. for a lot. Brent, yeah. Brent Jorgensen, Greg Jorgensen, these guys yeah. are people that you know. Um, and, and they kind of vet um, technology things. And so if they're looking to buy something, they can kind of get a consumer report if that's, you know, an evaluation from you know, from these guys that are on the, on the tech select, um, they can get a better deal sometimes um, through our preferred vendors uh, on the tech select. Um, we have a resident champion program um, where hopefully we have a resident at each program. Um, that is, that is the conduit from the AAO. That, that would be our touch point. That would be the person that we would get stuff for that. Um, the, uh, the research awards, um, the Hellman, the Milo Hellman, the Sister, mm. the Graber Research Awards um, that that the residents get. Those are AAO programs. Um, what else? They have a student disability insurance. There's a student life insurance mm-hmm. that comes with with their membership. Um, again, lead them to a website, but you can't make them click on the AAO member website. You go up to the member section. You pull down. Um, there's there's the, there's all the member benefits that are available to them. How do we get the word to them? Yeah, uh, you you took the words out of my mouth literally. It, well, I, I, I it's to reach out to the faculty. Mm-hmm. If you're an AAO member and you're talking it up, then they understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and along those lines, we have um, faculty fellowships. Um, somebody coming out of school with the same student load debt that would like to stay in academics. Um, we have fellowships that, that, that help them a little bit um, in those early years of, of teaching. I, I teaching barely pays for teaching sometimes I think. Right. And, mm-hmm. and as adjunct faculty, I can say it was, it was a labor of joy, but teaching yeah. barely pays for teaching. And, yeah. and so some of these uh, fellowships, these faculty fellowships um, put people that would normally not be able to stay or wouldn't, wouldn't, academic career wouldn't look as appealing. Sure. Um, it kind of helps them get into that, to that point where they can get ahead. Um, what, what, I mean, the oral, the, the table clinics and the present, you know, present presenting their research at the annual session, all those kind of things are benefits um, to residents. Uh, our career center, um, which is probably a big one where they can people that post practices for sale and, um, you know, there's those available. Oh, right. Career, yep. It's like that. Yeah. I think, um, I think there's, I mean, I wonder if we sampled the average group of residents at a program, how many of those things they actually know are there for them. And I'm guessing right. just from talking to the residents on my end, it's probably not a lot. And, and as I said, that's, you know, there's, there's two sides to that, but they're obviously super busy. They're, 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 you know, they've got a million things going on, master's research, their cases, their boards. And so I would, I think they'd be, it's a really, great opportunity, like you said, to figure out a way and maybe the AO reaches out to each specific faculty and has a meeting with them or a webinar with them just to, because I think it'd be great. It's, it's a shame. It's so sad to have this much offered and have residents that like don't even know what the AO could do. For and them. some know, and some don't, um, you know, our society of educators, which is part of our uh, council on education, um, you know, they're aware of it. I'll be uh, with the ABO uh, in a couple of weeks with their educator symposium Um you know, all we can do is keep talking about it. Yep. Um, I think some of the the sad part of this is there are some programs that don't allow us to come in. Mm. Um, sometimes that's an institutional policy. Yep, that's um, tough. But like you say, they they are busy. And how do you find another half a day or a lunch and learn? Yeah. Um, somebody else come in. You know, the vendors want to do that and all that. So well, I've got um, a lot of residents that listen to this podcast. So hopefully, I will. will uh, I will make a promise. <laughs> 
I will make a promise if they want to reach out to me, I can I can generally point them to the right person. Brandon Hackworth is is our um, vice president with membership and governance. Um, he, he can he he lives this and like say that is his, that it that his his group. Um, this is what they love to do and. And but I, the first place I would start with them is to go to the AO member website, log in, go to the membership section, pull down and, and look at the member ben- benefits. And again, it, it's kind of you need it when you need it. And, um, you know, the, there's there's pamphlets and patient education information um, resources there. Um, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. There's, you've got enough on your plate. Um, some of this has been done for you in a very professional manner. And all you need to do is just um Utilize the the resources that are available with your membership, and 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 shout it from the housetops when you know. Um, let people know what's there, and and if you don't like it, let us know, and we can see what we can do about it. And it's it's going to be their AAO at some mm-hmm. point. Yeah, and and so to get them involved early, um, you know. But it all comes down to you know how do leaders get involved? Is because at some point somebody put their arm around them and said, "Hey, come on, join us." And, and, you know, I say that it, it, it's a time of your life, too. It was a time in my life when yes, I had the true. to do that. Yes. You know, the demands of my family and things like that weren't that I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And and realize that, you know, there's a time and a season for everybody. And they can be involved at any different level. Um, like you say, your dad was involved with the state board and you were with, uh, you know, the Student Dental Association, things like that, that, that there's a time and a place. And if it's not the time or the place, be a member, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Be a member, follow along, and and when it when the opportunity comes up that that's a better time in your life and you want to be involved, there's usually a place that we can use use your uh, talents and your and uh, your abilities to to make it better for everybody. That's great, and appreciate you explaining that and taking the time to go through those opportunities that they have. Uh, because, like I said, a lot of residents listen to this, a lot of young docs listen to this podcast, and and that will hopefully just spur in them a little motivation and a little awareness to say, hey, wait, maybe I need to look into this more. And I think it is contagious. I think then one resident sees it, then another, oh, what do you, and they share it with their co-residents. So getting that message out uh, on a grassroots level with a show like this at the same time as getting it from an administrative level, which I understand isn't always easy depending on administrations at different programs and, and, um, their own approach to it. But I think it's really important to get those, get those younger docs, like you said, to understand that. And I like the way you break, break it down too into the three, you know, educational advocacy and research arms that the AO has this um, sort of three-pronged approach to its overall vision and mission. Um, we, we talked about the advocacy, the educational we were obviously just talking about that side, but I think part of that goes more into even the courses, right, that are offered and oh the, my gosh. the CE side. Oh, oh yeah, um, the AJO deal where you can get um, earn CE credits. Mm-hmm. I I did that when I needed to renew my Idaho license. Um, somehow it's I missed a year with COVID, and I thought I only had to have uh, one year's worth of CE, and I needed two years. Okay, all of a sudden. And and so to go uh, through the AJO do, do and and get the uh, you know the CE credits from there, um, we have a, hundreds of hours of continuing education um, that have been recorded and are online. Mm-hmm. We have the CE passport, which I don't believe um, we charge the residents for. If it is, it's very minimal, um, and so they have access to the lectures from the annual sessions. Oh, great! Webcasts or um, yeah, webcast podcasts, yeah. things like that, webinars. And and I mean literally hundreds of hours there. Um, we have the uh, the library at the AAO. Mm-hmm. That's a, a great resource, by the way. Yeah, and and, and uh, just just due to the demand, um, they're limited because most students have access to Medline searches and things like that from their institutions. Uh, we don't. That's not so much for the students, but for the members. And yeah, and agreed. I recall um, preparing for a, an orthodontic history lecture at the annual session to the staff and, and speaking with the librarian and, and, um, you know, she could bring up some resources, a Medline search. Um, when the bisphosphonates was a, an issue we just didn't know, um, that was a good place to get, you know, to get information yep. from, um, of course our annual session, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a great place to get, to get the new information. It's a great place to, to get the old information. Um, like say those, if you can't attend a lecture because you're at another place or in another event, you know, those things are, are recorded and you can go back. 
Um, our winter conference this year will be in San Antonio, um, and it will be on finishing, detailing, and um, you know, finishing cases, like finishing mm-hmm. mechanics. Which, like, like I say, I thought I always thought that was the funnest part mm-hmm. of of a case. Um, yep. Was the last six months, not the first six months. Yeah, um, that will be in San Antonio. Our annual session will be in New Orleans, uh, May third through sixth. Um, which it was just like I say, that's a fun time to be there. The jazz fest will be there. Um, how yeah, are what lectures? It, how are topics selected? Uh, who determines for what the annual session? Yeah, for any of the big meetings, yeah. We we have a committee on um, CCON committee on conventions, okay. which is a standing uh, committee of the board okay. uh, that plan the meetings. Realizing that some of these meetings are planned years in advance. Sure. Um, Usually they pick a theme. Now, this is a little bit different. The last several years where we brought on a, a standing committee. These are people that you know. Um, these are names that that you are all familiar with who serve on this committee. Um, and, and they look at the trends. They look at what's, you know, what the what the hot topics are. Mm-hmm. Uh, realizing that we're pl- that right now the speakers for, uh, I believe, 2000 or 2025 is open. Then there's an open call for speakers. People apply and um you know, they meet the criteria. Um, you know, some some topics go well with other topics. Sometimes maybe need another time. Um, the winter conference is usually on, on one topic and then they bring in experts. Um, I mean, we've talked about different practice modalities. We've talked about in, you know, in-house aligners. We've talked about airway issues. We've talked about, uh, like I said, this will be detail and finishing. And, and, um, and then again, there's the survey at the end. What would you like to know? What would you like to hear? And, um, realizing that planning a meeting the size of the annual session takes years. Um, we many times have to book the venue seven, eight years in advance wow. to get the dates that we want. And um, and so there's a little, you know, some things maybe take a little bit longer to get to the forefront, but with our uh, CCON, uh, we have a lot of improvement there. They're moving things a little bit more nimbly. Mm-hmm. That's one thing I've heard over the years and seen myself, even that some of the content hasn't been as directly relevant to people in private practice. And I know that's turned some people off and there's other groups now that throw their own CE events to try to make it more such. So um, I was just more curious as to how the AO makes those decisions. You know, there's, there's what's going to be the all different tracks. There's all different tracks. Um, There's, I mean, they cover clinical, they cover practice management, they deal with staff issues, all those kind Mm -hmm. of things. One of the things to look at when you register is that you can, uh, pick an area of emphasis and that okay. would lead you to those, those uh, tracks, tracks that would be, a, you know, be- biggest benefit to you. Mm-hmm. I don't know how it was with you, but I remember, you know, when I started, it was all about doing the straightening the teeth. It was all about braces, brackets and wires yep. uh, with my study group. And then it kind of, after a couple of years, it morphed into how to run the practice. And then it kind of morphed into how to fund a retirement. And then it kind of morphed into how are we going to get out of this and make sure everybody's taken care of. Right. Right. And so there's, there are, you know, areas of emphasis at the meeting and, and um, you know, when you register, look at, at what track appeals to you and, and hopefully there'll be something there for everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, Realizing with 15,000 members, we, you know, we can't do it 15,000 ways. So. Right. I always have that, have that challenge. Um, As we kind of wrap it up, what would you say in in your I get what about halfway through right your 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 tenure? So um, what are some of the things that that you're most proud of that have been accomplished already, and and what what lies ahead for the second half of, of your tenure before uh, the reins are turned over to uh, to Dr. Callahan as far as what you want to see accomplished? You know, um, I, I got asked that early on, and uh, one of the things that impressed me is that some of the strategic initiatives that we started. Are just now coming to maturation. The the MBO, the Wharton, mm-hmm. um, you know, yeah. Or, yeah. Um, and that we've 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 done that now for for a while. Heard great it, things about that. It's, it's getting better. Yeah. Um, you know, our, our tech select is new, and so we're now we're a couple of years into it, and and we're seeing it mature, and we're seeing it, um, you know, starting to, to bear some fruit. Um, I'm I'm thrilled with the i the diversity and inclusion um, that we that we have. Um, to make sure that everybody in this profession feels like they have a place at the AAO. Um, we have, um, I, I, it's so hard to separate the year that you're president with the, the 10 years that you spend on the board. Right. But the fact that we came out of COVID so well as an association, 
uh, and that during COVID, we were able to meet the needs of our members with the PE string and, and like I say, with the coalitions uh, with the other dental and health professionals that we, you know, we were a clearinghouse for the information. And, yeah. and so I think rather than, than thinking that it's going to be something startling or new, it's to stay the course. Okay. Uh, I think that that's real prudent right now that that a lot of the the new things that we started um, several years ago uh, as our new CEO joined us and we had kind of a paradigm shift in some of the things that we did um it, it just takes a, it takes a little time for those to ripen and mm-hmm. and we're now that they have we're bearing the fruit of those and and so I think that's something that I'm that I'm the most proud of uh, the continuation of the cap that mm-hmm. was something that was very uh like I say, I spent a lot of time on that. It was very near and dear to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the new journal, the uh, the clinical companion, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's something that Dr. Barrett's uh, worked on for years. It's it's a way to get the information out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and like I say, can you see why I love talking about the AO? Because so much of what we're doing is so positive and and such a great benefit to our members. Um, and and I th- I think that will continue. We have a an incredible board. We have uh, tremendous individuals that are serving. Um, we have the opportunity to pick uh, at-large trustees okay. um, that, uh, you know, fulfill some diversity roles. It's a shorter term that they serve. And and uh, we're looking for a new and younger member right now um, to, to fill the role that uh, Dr. Pass has filled the last several years. And um, if they have any questions for that, they they could contact me or the AO on, uh, on what we're looking there. And, and Do people and, and, by and large, sorry, sorry to rip on that, but people by and large have to start at the component, go to the constituent, work their way up through trustee positions, or can they literally just go to the AO and get involved directly? Generally, it's generally through your component or constituent. Okay. Um, the board members that aren't at large come from the constituents. Okay. And each constituent has a different selection process. It's Got usually it. at the yeah. uh, And so the board doesn't necessarily self-select. Um, generally, someone that runs for trustee is someone who has served, uh, you know, for a while um, in, in the House of Delegates, in their components, in their constituents. Okay. And, and again, th- those generally run. The at-large trustees are different. And those are um, positions that are they are full board members. They have a vote just like everybody else. Mm-hmm. But they serve from one to three years. Okay. And so if we're looking to fulfill an element of whether it be expertise um, or diversity that we need on the board, um, then we we get to self-select those, and so we've we've um, you know brought on uh, Enrique Cruz, uh, who is you know a, me- a social media magnet man. I mean he's 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 been very helpful there. Um, we had um, you know new, a new and younger member, mm-hmm. um, someone who's been out uh, less than fifteen years is what we're looking for to get that perspective. Our first okay. new and younger member was uh, Alex uh, Thomas, and I mean. The, the things that she brought to the discussions on the board um, are, you know, priceless. Um, it, it, it's great. Like I say, Dr. Pass, Lauren Pass from Chicago, um, the things that she brings uh, to the board, um, like I say, they're tremendous young people. And and these people have been just such a, a boon to the the resources that we have and the, the consciousness of thought and have you thought and do you think, and it's been great. So they'd pretty much get involved at the state component level or, and or the constituent level, the NISOs or MESOs. Or, you know, generally, generally, most AO members interact most with their component, you mm-hmm. know, the state association. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then, you know, each constituent has a meeting. If you want to get involved, don't just go tell somebody. Mm-hmm. And, there, and it may not be right now, but uh, it, there'll be a time and a place and, and, and we all have in the back of our mind is, you know, they'd be really good for this. They'd be mm-hmm. good on a council. They'd be good on a committee. They'd be good. Um, and, you know, our, our council members roll off every six years. And so it might, like I say, it might not be this year, but it might be in two years that, you know, that there'd be a place there for you to serve. And just letting people know you're willing mm-hmm. is the first step at whatever level that you are. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and you won't regret it. They, it It's it's a blast. I, I, I enjoy talking about orthodontics. I enjoy talking about the association and and the fact that that what we get to do is makes people's lives better. Um, just just wraps it all up in one nice little bow. And what would you say 
would be is the biggest challenge going forward uh, for the AAO just in in general kind of what what things are out there that you say this is this is kind of a hill we've got to try to climb that that makes it a bit of a challenge well um changing practice modalities would be one okay uh, large group practices oso dso's uh, how do we stay uh, relevant to their members yep how do we get them to uh, access our resources yep um demographics is always is is different um, you know, there's a, a a lot more women in our association. We have, uh, you know, a women's leadership challenge, which is a a, a way to get women more involved with leadership. Okay. Um, how do we stay relevant to the needs as as our membership changes? Mm-hmm. Um, the needs that you and I had as a young doctor are are much different than someone who's starting a family or, mm-hmm. um, you know, or comes out with more student debt, things yeah, like that. Sure. Sure. We can't keep doing the things that we did and stay relevant in the future. And, yep. you know, it'd be nice to have a crystal ball and know, are we doing the right things? Um, I hope that we are. Um, that, you know, the the technology that comes, mm-hmm. how do we make sure that that we're technology is great. It needs to be doctor driven. Yeah, it, it needs to be coming from a place of, of diagnosis and treatment planning. Um, yeah. Yes. You know, we're not. We're not we're not sending our models off and then just accepting what comes back yep. kind of a thing. I think that's, that's important. Um, the educational challenges of, of maintaining good faculty. Yeah. Um, sure. Faculty. And, and, and you probably see that as you teach that there's not a, there's not a program um, that probably isn't shorthanded with faculty. Yeah. You know, the adjuncts come in the, the part-timers, that's great. That's a, a great way to give back to the association, but you know, those full-time equivalents are, are sometimes an issue. And yeah, want to be sure that the, the that we're safeguarding the education process um so that we are the, the best trained to do what we do very true and that's actually i mean kind of where it all comes down to right if we're if we're not training and we don't have the resources to train our next generation of docs successively um we really get get cut off there so that that's great and the ao is so that's on the ao's radar those are things that oh, behind bet. the scenes are going oh, on you okay. bet. oh you bet Okay, that's great. Um, like I say, the faculty fellowships, um, you know, those kind of things. Um, yeah, I mean, and if you think about it, it's our training that differentiates us. That needs to be the best. Um, okay. and, and like, like I said, it, it 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 seems like a muddied mess, but it it all comes together. Um, it takes advocacy, it takes education, it takes you know the research. We haven't talked about the research that we support, um, the legacy collection, and you know those kind of things. Um, Maybe a topic for another day, I hope. Yeah, no, definitely. I think it would be great to dive into some of those yeah. in, in a deeper level because, as I said, with this, it kind of just scratches the surface. And to me, what's so important is, is to have a unified profession. We're not all going to agree. We don't all have to agree on every treatment modality, but we need to always treat each other with respect and have pride in what we are, the school we went to, the education we received. We went to a lot of years of school. We paid a lot of money to do it. Um, and we get out and I just... I see so many of us just have these, whether it's just dogmas that kind of play in our heads or just, but just controversies and treating each other with hostility. And it just, there's just no need for it. We can completely disagree on treatment modalities, but at the end of the day, we're a family as orthodontists. And we've all gone through something that very few people in the world have gone through. And that is becoming an orthodontist. So we should have a a unity right there in and of itself. And uh, because at the end of the day, if we're not unified, if we don't stand together as a profession, we're not going to be able to fight these challenges that will constantly come up throughout the next you know decades of, of our careers. Well, I'm happy to say that, that, that that's the direction we're going. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with the, how we do things now information moves so much quicker yeah in the old days you'd get a guru and and he'd do it you know and there was angle and then there was tweed and right. you know there was bio progressive and then there, right and, and when we were talking with with jackie about the uh that orthodontic history she said something to the effect that that orthodontics used to proceed from funeral to funeral that, that <laughs> you know one of these strong leaders right you know, he had to die before the next step thing. up. Right. Right. Succession plans. Yep. And now we have a collection. Um, yeah. And so what can we learn from everybody? Uh, I had a friend who was a concert pianist and, and, and I mean, he could, he could play anything. Hmm. 
And he still took piano lessons. And, and he pointed out something that changed my life. I said, Bill, what, what is he going to teach you? You already know. It. And he says, a teacher doesn't have to know more than you. He just has to know something you don't. Right. And so when we put ourselves in that position that we're willing to learn, we're willing to cooperate, we're willing to see both sides. Um, a lot of times we find that that we're really just not that that far apart. I completely agree with that. I think we almost yeah. drive ourselves apart by by digging in and and but that's such a great point. Like that maybe that person is onto something that that we but that's almost where the technology becomes a bit of a disadvantage. It's it's this balance, right? It's this you oh, need yeah. enough of it to have these ideas flowing and sharing, but then it gets to be information overload and people really dig in. So I do think some of this over time will work itself out. I mean, we're all relatively new in this technology thing. I I, as you were, I was trained on paper. I wasn't trained in computers and, and had to learn it when I first got into practice. So, um, yeah, it's, it's still pretty new. And, and I, I do hope that we can kind of, when I bought a computer to type my master's thesis, it had a 30 K hard drive. 30K. <laughs> and, and I, I asked the salesman, is that going to be enough? And he looked at me and said, I can't think of a time where you would ever need more memory than oh, 30. Oh, isn't that funny? Because I upgraded from the 20K. Is that 20K? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that is. <laughs> isn't it exciting, exciting though? And to be a part of it. It is. I um, agree. And, and and what a, like I say, what a wonderful career. What a, what a wonderful way of life. And we still have time for our families. We still have time for, you know, these other pursuits and, and we get to make people happy. Yeah. Um, nobody thanked me for a root canal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, with that, Dr. Myron Guyman, I appreciate your time. It is clear to everybody listening and watching that you have a tremendous passion for the AO. And I also love that you're willing to admit it's not perfect and, and, and it's not pretending to be perfect, but it's always growing and working towards being better and better all the time. And I think that at the end of the day, that really... Um, that's all the membership can ask for is that the AAO is willing to be self-reflective and constantly improving and working to be better and serve the members and the profession better. So thank you very much. Please, for that. please be involved. Please be a part of it. And uh, thanks so much for having me on. Yeah. Thank you. Really appreciate it. We'll, we'll talk again soon. Okay. All right. Take care. Thank you for watching this episode of the doc podcast. Be sure to visit theorthocoach.com to get access to CE courses or schedule a private one-on-one -on -one coaching session with me. And remember to join the doc community on Locals for more great content designed to help you succeed both personally and professionally. Just go to Locals and search for the doc community. You can also find doc on Instagram at at theorthocoach. And remember, you have the power to do amazing things.